0: The following is offered by Discerning Hearts, a 501 non-profit Catholic apostolate dedicated to spiritual formation through the use of digital media. To download this selection, or to browse hundreds of other programs, or to contribute to our mission with a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, visit our website at discerninghearts.com.
1: The Formed Book Club Catholic Book Lovers, Unpacking Good Books, Chapter by Chapter. Welcome to the Forum Book Club, where David Dudo, Joseph Pierce, and I, Father fessio continue to discuss Henri de Blanc's classic work, The Drama of Atheist Humanism, where he takes Three great figures of the 19th century whose thought influenced the whole of the 20th century and is still influences us now. We've covered Nietzsche and then Feuerbach Marx, kind of taken as one moral person there. And now we're about to finish uh, the least known, I believe, in America anyway, Auguste Comte, who is the father of sociology. We're on page 248 in this chapter. Positive transpositions, that is, positivism, which was the form of thought and practice that was developed by August Kant, transposed many elements of the Catholic Church into its own uh, humanist church. And we'll continue seeing how that happened on this section called Sociocracy, page 248. And middle of that page, Lubach says, in the last analysis, Christianity in general had been looking forward to the kingdom of heaven. Positivism, in general, in the last analysis, an organization of the kingdom of the earth. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of sums it up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then at the bottom of that page, the last the last word, if, and to the next page. If the advent of sociology had meant the elevation of politics to the rank of an exact science, the advent of sociocracy was to be the religious consecration of the said polish. It becomes a religion. Mhm. Mhm. Joseph, you're you're leading us in this in this book. So yeah, well, I, that,
3: that's actually a good introduction to the first thing I had highlighted, which is really just three words, but I think very an ominous three words. This is the middle of page two hundred and fifty, uh, where Comte says that he that the, he has a, given his creed. Uh, the, the motto order and progress both words are uh, capitalized um, and um, you know in in one sense if you're going to look at those words sort of amorphously or um, yeah, ambivalently you know everybody believes in order and progress right in the sense that You know, that the the Catholic Church will say an ordered life is a virtuous life, and that's progress towards uh, the kingdom of heaven. So, you know, no one's going to argue in, you know, if we're going to use the words very amorphously, what that means. But when you capitalize them as something subject to this sociology, the order is going to be state-imposed order, and the progress is going to be worship of a utopia in the future for which everybody can be sacrificed. And that's what happens when you suck the divine uh, out of notions of, 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 of order and progress.
2: hmm. hmm.
3: So, I, I, mean, I have the next thing I have is 253. So, I don't know if anybody beats me there.
1: Well, I have the very last line of 252. I just barely squeezed in ahead of you, Joseph. Yeah. Uh, where to the box says, since nothing could be done unless a quote, Proper nucleus of true sociocrats, those quotes was formed, but in the field of action, the watcher was politics first. From the very outset, the new system must seek to lay hands on power.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And well, you you may have done the same thing I'm going to do. So you take it away with two fifty three, Joseph.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, just commenting on that—that's the, the whole point—is that we saw this with Nietzsche and with with Marx, um, that it's no longer uh, about truth, uh, objectively understood, but about um, subjectively applied power, and that in itself. But what I thought further down here is is very interesting. This is, this is different from, from Marx. Uh, Marx obviously believed somehow that the, uh, the the working class were going to be the people that would gain power, at least in theory. Whereas <laughs> Pomp's very much an elitist, and
1: mm-hmm. for him,
3: halfway down page 253, and this is ominous. It's almost like exactly what we're seeing with the globalism, globalization, and, and globalist uh, ideologies. Bankers. So it's actually you know the international financiers that the, the super rich uh like the 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 uh the Soros, the George Sas these men possessing great wealth must provided that they keep us to the pitch of their social vocation, also have the leading part in the government that they are mm-hmm. naturally trained for this role by their habit of seeing things in perspective and by their spirit of calculation that the middle classes are to disappear, leaving only a, only a patriciate and a proletariat that for the whole of the West, with its 120 million inhabitants, the patriciate is to number 2,000 bankers. So he's actually saying that we're going to hand over the government of the world to 2,000 super-rich financiers. That's his idea. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. And it's happening. It is happening. Yep. He says above the, the active class, the first category is out of the bankers. Now, I want to read this quote in the footnote here, footnote 129, where he's writing a letter to this uh, Doyen, whoever, Doyen. Bankers are the natural generals of modern industry. Because of this, positives reserves to them the temporal supremacy of the West, when their moral and mental dispositions will be on the level of their social destination, and when the worthy advent of true spiritual authority will have rid the government, properly speaking, Of all theoretical office. I mean, what? Talk about a description of hell. (laughs) The, The bankers are in charge?
2: And the scientists, let's not forget. The, 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 the practical scientists, not 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 these abstract theatricians who look up at the stars and wonder about the beginning of things. No. You're
1: right, but he wants 2,000 bankers to be the top yes, of the pyramid. Yes, you
2: know? but they're going to be trained by the scientists, don't you know? Oh, okay. In, in, in all, right. in, uh, in, in all the practical methods of science that are going to make people happy through industry and whatever. Well, but and fact, then to, the experts. Experts. Yeah, the experts. And then on the page yep. of 254 in the middle, Excuse me, two, I, I contradicted myself. Two fifty-four in the middle, it would be pure of all liberalism and would make no concession to public opinion.
3: Yeah, and you know, the, I mean, it's just delight—it's a delightful divine comedy. You know, if, if you're if you're seeing this, which of course I can't do, uh, from the perspective of the divine, you know, omniscience, um, that what we have here are the you know the antifas and the Black Lives Matters, the Marxists who believe. That they are uh, bringing about you know, uh, uh, the rule of the working class actually now being the willing sheep, being led to the slaughter in their support and George Soros and and that sort of tech, tech, technocratically banked uh, globalism, and they're, they're the stormtroopers of their own That's slavery. Right. There's, there's there's a delicious irony there, albeit a dark, grim delicious well, irony. I, I remember
2: know. not too long ago somebody asking. I don't understand why these ruling elites would want, you know, riots in the streets and and uh why would why would someone like George Soros be bankrolling Antifa and this kind of thing. And I said precisely because those are the stormtroopers who are going to bring about chaos and anarchy and now these uh you know super beings from on high with all of their money and wisdom are going to swoop in and say, "Well, you know what? We can put all this back together." It'll work like a beautiful machine. All you need to do is obey us. Yeah, we
1: have already, an emergency. we have an emergency. We have, we have a it's crisis. Bias.
2: We have a crisis. It's
1: COVID. It's climate change. We have to impose order.
3: Yep. yep. And these people are so wealthy. that, You know, that, yes, the middle class will disappear when there's chaos. Right. The the relatively wealthy will disappear when there's chaos. But the super rich are beyond that. They have they 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 have wealth beyond our imagining, and they're not they're not going to be harmed, but to any great degree by whatever economic chaos is caused by yeah, um, uh, epidemics or pandemics or, um, or political and economic anarchy.
2: And it's not just liberalism who is their enemy. On the middle of 255, we see that positivism will become for them the only systematic defense of order against communist or socialist subversion. Because as you pointed out, Joseph, communists and socialists, however... Uh, their projects end up in the end. Their ideal is to emancipate the working man, the working class. Give him a place at the table. Give him a share in the profits of his labor. Right? These yeah. people are the new version of useful idiots. They think they're working for the working man, and they're really working for the capitalist bankers.
3: Yeah. It's the. It's it, yeah. It's 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 uh, <laughs> it's grimly yeah. ironic.
2: It. Yes. Yes.
1: There's one thing he wants to do, which I think he will agree with, Joseph. On the very top of 254, states must be split up into small republics of the size of Holland or Sardinia. I think Chesterton would go on with that.
3: Yeah, I, I did see that, and I did think it was ironic. Um, but you know, I, I, the point is that these states would be basically uh, principalities that belonging to the global empire. They would not be. Authentically, subsidious sovereign territories. Um, They just that that these these are manageable units to be governed from on high. I think rather than you know self governing sovereign nations.
1: Yeah, I I think it's what is the largest extent that a single banker can govern. You know, and therefore we have to break these things up.
2: And we might wonder uh, why uh, why Comp wants to keep the workers down, so to speak, on on the top of two fifty seven. Um, it actually begins the bottom of 256. By this dictatorship by proletarians, but this dictatorship by proletarians has nothing in common with the Marxist dictatorship of the proletariat. Kant maintains that the social condition of the proletarians is unavoidable. The vast majority of workers must always live on a periodic wage, carrying out with a kind of abstract intention, blah, 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 blah. So it's sort of like the, uh, you know, the um, big leaders of these big companies, Apple, are perfectly happy to use slave labor in China uh, in these factories that are practically like prison camps uh, because we all know that somebody's got to do this work.
3: Yeah, uh, and that's absolutely true. But also, you know, at the other end of the spectrum, economically, you can be living living in the United States and be on a very well paid salary, probably with a good pension plan, but you're still a wage slave. Basically, you're, you're still still a tiny cog in a huge global corporate machine. There's not any real political or economic freedom. If the company decides it wants to move to a different part of the United States or different part of the world, they decide you're you're either going with them or you're out of out of a job. Yeah, that's the choice you have to make. There's no there's no real security of tenure.
1: I mean I, there's a positive impulse here that I think we all really desire to be something be part of something larger than ourselves,
2: mm-hmm.
1: knowing our own weakness and our own finitude and so to be part of a team or a group or a community or even a company a corporation can be a wonderful thing, but that has to be balanced with you know personal freedom, liberty of thought of action, and so on and that's why I, mean, I always summarize distributism, which by the way, they're not calling it localism, which is maybe a better name, is you want to have the maximum amount of small businesses and the minimum amount of large businesses. That's, you move towards that goal. Yep. Uh,
3: and say and again, it's not, you're not going to close down the big business, you're just going to promote an economy that promotes small businesses. That's all you know uh, right. and make it easier for a small business to thrive and survive.
2: So we're having an interesting little phenomenon here in San Francisco where Anchor Steam oh. beer, which is the oldest craft beer in the United States of America, started in San Francisco in the 19th, uh, 19th century. And uh, it got bought out by a big company, and they've run it into the ground, and now they're closing it. Well, now the workers at Anchor Steam – are asking for a chance to put together the financing so that they can buy the company and run it as a worker-owned cooperative. And I say good for them, good for them. Catholics should be totally behind this kind of thing.
3: Yes, couldn't agree more, couldn't agree more. ESOPs, I think over here they're called ESOPs, uh, uh, employee stock ownership plans rather than producers' cooperatives. It's essentially the same thing, but that's the legal way it's done over here.
1: And from the very beginning, initially nears to this use Esau printers. First was Thompson Shore, which was Aesop, and now Friesens in Canada. Family-owned but worker-owned uh, corporation. That's the way, it seems to me. Amen. All right. We move forward. All right, I, have nothing,
3: I have nothing to the very final end of the chapter, so I don't know if anybody beats that.
0: We'll return to the Forum Book Club with Father Joseph Fessio, Vivian Doudreau, and Joseph Pierce in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app where you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John S. of Deacon James Keating, Father Donald Haggerty, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more. They're all available on the free Discerning Hearts app. Over 3,000 spiritual formation programs and prayers, all available to you with no hidden fees or subscriptions. Did you also know that you can listen to Discerning Hearts programming wherever you download your favorite podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, even on Audible, as well as numerous other worldwide podcast streaming platforms. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has a YouTube channel? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts Catholic podcasts dedicated to those on the spiritual journey.
1: Take Lord and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me, to you, Lord. I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen.
0: Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue
2: production of these videos, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free discerning hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and
0: God bless. We now return to the Formed Book Club with Father Joseph Fezio, Vivian Doudreau, and Joseph Pierce. I see markings all over the book, but <laughs> don't, don't
1: worry about that. Mark, say
2: 258,
1: okay. Middle. Uh, you will never inspire the bulk of mankind with enthusiasm for it by proving to them that it is the one towards which civilization has been tending from the outset. What was needed was to, quote, paint them a vivid picture, like a meme, of the improvements that the new system would bring into the human life. In that picture imagination must play the leading part, skipping a couple lines. In this way, it would be possible to organize a formidable public opinion. But this method of propaganda was more especially suited to the preliminary phase when the positive regime was being first established. Therefore, use propaganda, control of the media, censorship, cancel culture, in order to achieve the goal, where now there is only one way of thinking, anything else is hate speech or misinformation or disinformation or malinformation. Uh, yes, and
3: it's got to be yeah. cancelled. And yeah, you know, again, it, it, you tell the lie. Propaganda, after all, is just another word for a lie. So that's um, uh, you tell the lie to, in order to in order to make people believe a false uh, understanding of reality, so you can impose
1: your truth upon them. And the importance of imagination here, he's writing this before Hollywood, you know, Mm -hmm. but why is it that Disney, for example, and others, they make movie after movie, which loses millions, if not billions of dollars. And they double down. Why? They're not primarily trying to make money. They're trying to shape society in a way that, they think is leading towards the future but it's only doing so if the future is hell so okay Joseph go to the end I, I've got that whole last paragraph l- marked out to read so you might not want to read that or something like that go ahead uh, well,
3: yeah um, do you have anything Vivian before that
2: the last paragraph on
3: 261 yeah as well, the, long as you half be- half the chapter yeah
2: yeah, as long as you, I mean, I was going to begin it with all claims, which is the bottom of 260.
3: I was going to begin it with just the, final, the final two sentences. So Father's got most of it marked. So I suppose we should, we should make re- way to
1: Father. Read the whole paragraph for us. Starting okay. from. But if temporal. But,
2: okay, go for it.
3: Sure. But if temporal society is an adequate manifestation of the only true deity from whom the individual receives all that he is, how can he have any rights as against society?
1: Exactly. Stop there for a second. That's exactly yeah. right. If you are just a part of the greater whole, then what right do you have? So, con- continue. Um, that
3: notions of right, that notion of right, is essentially theological, metaphysical. This means that it is completely out of date. It is quote as false as it is immoral. It quote, must disappear from the political domain as the notion of cause has disappeared from the philosophical domain.
1: End quote. So stop there. Stop. Yep. There. This is this is so profound uh, that if we're going to have this sub- subjection of everyone to the bankers, uh, where you don't have any rights, only humanity as a whole has a right, and they're the ones that are governing and leading humanity, then you've got to get rid of the theological metaphysical because that gives another basis for rights. Yeah. The idea, and, yeah. Sorry, please. Okay. And so, and then cause has just to, to disappear from the philosophical domain so that it's not logos, it's will now. Things, things aren't caused except by your desire. Uh, There's no intrinsic nature to things. We make with them of them what we want. I mean, this is... Yeah, but it's even worse than that, really,
3: Father, because basically, yes, they've abandoned cause because they've abandoned logos and replaced it with will. But in practice, uh, all of us will be slaves to an abstract concept that's replaced truth called humanity. And the only one with any will that can actually be exerted will be the bankers. <laughs> the rest of us, as, as parts of humanity, we're just parts of a body that are completely disposable, and we do as we're told, or the will, which is the the, the elite, will do what they want with us.
1: Mm-hmm. So continue then.
3: Oh, sorry, uh, where did we get it? The, the positive faith, everywhere substituting the relative for the absolute, substitutes, quote, laws for causes and duties for rights. It replaces the futile and heated discussion of rights by a fruitful and salutary realisation of duties. All claims to rights are anarchic. All idea of rights should be completely wiped out, as applicable solely to the preliminary regime and directly incompatible with the final state, which admits only duties corresponding to functions. Mm-hmm. The individual is a mere abstraction if he is not an organ of the great being. There is no salvation for him save in community spirit and sense of duty
2: so uh when they say when he says um, you know we're going to replace rights with duties, well, the natural law understanding is that." You have rights because you have duties. And so, uh, unfortunately, because we're at this late stage of Western social affliction, where liberalism, in its understanding of, of people having human rights given by God, has devolved into simply my rights versus your rights. Our rights are being pitted against each other in the court of public opinion and in the actual courts of law. And this is leading to a kind of anarchy because we no long we 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 threw out that uh, those rights have no meaning if there aren't corresponding duties that give you those rights. Therefore, you don't have a right to do a wrong because you have no duty to do a wrong, right? And so now, in this anarchy of this uh, 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 competing rights and these things absurdly being proposed as rights and so on, you can see how. The Comtean elitists are going to look again like the saviors, right? That, that, okay, everybody, we got to stop fighting about rights. Look what this is doing to society. We've got Antifa in the streets. We've got the fight over rights in the courts. We just need now to bring about this order where all of this is going to be eliminated and we're all going to live as as peace, in peace and harmony, as brothers in the one humankind, right? You can see how... The agitation that we're in right now on so many levels, why something like this would actually appeal to people looking right. for peace at all costs
3: Yeah and, but you know, and, and it, that means canceling those who are in the way of peace all right so be it. and again exactly the same thing hundred years ago in, in the Soviet Union right mm-hmm. We're going to bring about this this proletarian uh, utopia of justice and if you have to eliminate a few million people to make that happen, who cares, right? Um, it's a small price to pay for justice, right? Um, and what just interesting while we are here, that the footnote there, page one hundred fifty-seven, is a yes. word, but he basically makes it clear that once you don't, once you get rid of the divine, of course, there's no such thing as, <laughs> as uh, as rights. Positivism never admits anything but duties with all for all for its point of view, which is always social cannot contain any notion of right constantly founded on individuality. Mm -hmm. On what human foundation could the idea of right thus rest? Since divine rights no longer exist, this notion must be completely effaced. And then any worthy citizen then becomes a social functionary.
1: And these are his words. Yep. I mean, he is logical enough to draw the conclusions to his principles. I want to say a word about the concept of right, rights. Uh, many words, which are only one syllable, are very hard to define if you look at them carefully. For example, love or good or time or right. And I remember being on a television show once, an interview show with this woman who was an animal rights activist. And I said, animals have no rights. And she was completely, you know, flushed by that, upset I said, what is a right? Mm -hmm. Of course, she couldn't answer the question. A right is the moral power to do or require something. A right is a moral power to do or to require something. Like I have a right to life. I have a right to, to, to do what is called living. I've got a right to my property and so on. But that word moral is important because there are no rights where there's no moral power. Mm-hmm. And only beings which have intellect and will can have moral power. Mm-hmm. Therefore, animals have no rights. That does not mean that we can treat them any way we want. We have obligations right. because of the nature of animals in the scheme of creation. Yeah, But they don't have rights.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, wow, Father, that was great.
1: All right. <laughs> Conclusion. He has a section called conclusion. Oh, there's a lot of stuff in this conclusion. It's short though. I mean page two sixty three, I mean just a couple of phrases here. First sentence, such is that quote religion of humanity, close quotes, quotes, and then down five lines, the positive formula spells total tyranny. I mean that that's a conclusion.
2: That's right. This is total tyranny.
1: And then page two sixty four, two lines down. Love as the principle, says the pot is a motto. Alas, one can but add, in tyranny as the outcome. Mm-hmm. Where was that, Father? I missed that, that last 264, bit. 264, two lines down. Oh, you turned over. Okay, right, okay. Yeah. The middle of the page. If there is no absolute, capital A, how can there be anything absolute in man? Again, without God, there are no absolute. Right. There's no morality because there's no free will. In the bottom of the page, he may well entreat us to, quote, ennoble our necessary resignation by converting it into deliberate submission, close quotes, into, quote, affectionate submission. The reality is still there. And this almost brings us to Nietzsche again. The solutions to the problem of man and his destiny are not so numerous. Mm-hmm. You know, either accept God and freedom or reject God and have tyranny. I mean, that, that's, mm-hmm. as yeah. Carl Seurat said so beautifully in the title of his book, God or Nothing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And then my last, well, page 265, the new paragraph there. Well, can it at least be said that the positive menace is not very formidable? <laughs> to my mind, it is, on the contrary, one of the most dangerous that beset us. Mm-hmm. He's writing this in the 1940s.
3: Actually, Mm -hmm. that sentence I I, I highlighted as well. That's right. At at any moment, the failure of other nostrums with greater outward attractions may suddenly send its stock up. So the point is, he is writing this in the uh, in the middle of the uh, 20th century with the failure of uh, the Soviet Union with the uh, with the Marxist uh, utopia and the failure of, should we say? One form of Nietzscheanism in the Nazis, with the failure of the, these sort of humanistic experiments, and
2: then
3: he's writing because the... this where positivism basically comes into its own, really, uh, in the nineteen fifties onwards. Because now, well, obviously, we've tried the Marxist thing; that didn't really work out as we planned. Obviously, Nietzsche went a bit wrong with the Nazis, right? But but now we've got now we've got this positivism, and I think that's exactly what happened. When, when when utopias fail, other utopias are there to uh to take its place, you know
2: but he's actually writing this when Nazism and communism are at their height, which shows you how prophetic he truly is, he can see that they're going to fail before many others did yeah, and he knows that out of that failure, Comptinism is going to emerge as its successor. As the next failed experiment, human beings are going to be willing to try. Human beings who refuse to submit to God.
3: Yeah. An actual Mm -hmm. fact connected to that, Vivian, uh, bottom of page 266, This reminds me of a well-known aphorism by Chesterton. Comte's spiritual itinerary is that of man himself. Lost faith cannot long remain unreplaced,
2: mm-hmm. as
3: Chesterton says. When men, men, men stop believing in God, they don't believe in nothing; they believe in anything. So, when the Marxist thing fails, and the Nazi thing fails, and the fascist thing fails, well, we still only believe in humanity, right? So, yeah, mm-hmm. in humanism. Obviously, we can't have the God thing. So, what are we going <laughs> to believe in now, right? What's the new utopia we're going to put our faith in now instead?
1: Yeah, you know. Nazism came to a sudden halt in 1945, and communism in Russia came to a sudden halt in 1991. Our brand of free market capitalist but godless humanism, I'm afraid, will not have such a punctuation point, but it's a, it's a slow decline into greater and greater degradation which we're living through now.
3: And unsustainable, an so it. it's not. It's not going to triumph. It's just how ugly will be its demise. Really, that's the only question.
2: And is it possible, though, that while this corpse is decomposing, <laughs> 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 will there be new sprouts of life? Because, in spite of the degeneracy of this of the age that we're in, there are signs of new life all around us. So, uh, you know. We need to keep uh, fertilizing the new life wherever it may be found. That's right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
3: The one thing I would say as well, I mean, I, I, I don't like playing the prophet because prophet's normally wrong, but, um, you know, that, that the 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 whole drug culture, the whole psychedelic thing of the mid-60s, you know, um, uh, came unraveled because people started to see what what, what drug addiction led to, right? So the very people who were promoting The psychedelic culture in 1967, we're writing anti anti drug songs in 1977. And I think where we are now with the madness of the decades we are in now is the more it's tried, the more it will be seen to be self destructive. uh, And people will turn against it. I really don't, I think, I really, I mean, paying the profit. The whole transhumanism thing is going to die in its own too muchness probably much sooner than most people realize.
2: Let's hope so. You know, when George Harrison of the Beatles gave up drugs, when he visited San Francisco and went to the Haight-Ashbury neighborhood in the height of the whole drug, flower children, whatever, whatever, and saw an ambulance on every corner, right? So (laughs) to your point, right, by their fruits, you will know them. Yes. And at least we still have enough freedom in this society to see that, to speak to that, and let's just keep doing that while we still have the freedom to do so.
1: Right. I I don't (laughs) think it... I don't think it means being a prophet to recognize what the has seen here historically, that if you lose faith, if God is no longer part of your life and your culture, then man will be subject to tyranny. That's just, that's an yeah. ironclad rule. Therefore, yeah. you can prophesy in this sense, if we keep moving in a faithless direction, We will have this consequence. Yes, we're not going to avoid that. You know, oh, this time it'll be different. No, it's never been different. But like you say, David, especially in our country, the United States, there are so many signs of hope and signs of grace.
3: Yep, really. Just keep watering those.
1: Prophecy Prophecy based on history is not really
3: prophecy at all, is it? It's just we've learned the lessons. We've done this before. We do it again. Same thing's going to happen as before. Not really prophecy. it's, It's history.
1: So that's lastly, we've concluded part two uh, with the figureheads of the problem. Mm-hmm. Let's move next session to part three with the prophecy of a solution in Dostoevsky. Thank you for watching and listening. God bless you. If you enjoyed this discussion, please help spread the word about the Forum Book Club by subscribing to the podcast and writing a review. You can sign up for weekly updates at formedbookclub.ignatius.com.